from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. It's not even the end of September, and the state of Delhi has already begun planning for an annual event that will affect it and all the states from Punjab to West Bengal in the coming months. The annual grey smog that envelops the region starts around October and then stretches all the way until nearly February. Air quality across the region plummets, affecting even how long residents of the region live. Over the years, multiple measures have been attempted with varying degrees of success. These include the odd-even usage of private vehicles, stoppage of construction, action over stubble burning and a ban on fireworks for Diwali. However, all of these have at best had limited success. This year, the state governments of Punjab and Delhi attempted to come up with various schemes to limit stubble burning. But as the Times of India reports, these seem unlikely to work as of now. A ban on fireworks has already been imposed in Delhi till the start of 2023, but none of its neighbouring states have done the same so far. Siddharth Singh is an energy and policy researcher and the author of the book, The Great Smog of India, which chronicles how bad the smog is in this region. He says there's no good news to expect this year when it comes to air quality. Unfortunately, I don't really have good news for you, Arun, uh, and for the listeners. Uh, Delhi and in fact much of North India is in for uh, another year of uh, the deadly smog, partly because it's not uh, something that... Uh, uh, can just be changed within one year, especially if the actions that we are taken are seriously found wanting. And uh, we unfortunately have not done much from the last year or from the previous years before that to actually expect that things will be any different this year. Siddharth is among those who moved out of Delhi due to the smog and he now works out of another state where the air is cleaner. In today's episode, we discuss what states need to do to stop stubble burning why he's in favour of wider restrictions on fireworks and what people can do to prevent contributing to the smog. We started by discussing the recent measures that have been attempted to stop stubble burning. One factor that Delhi attempted this year was they proposed this scheme whereby it would pay Punjab's farmers to dispose of stubble and not burn it. However, the central government backed out of it saying that it would mean that it would have to pay farmers across states to not do the same thing. Is this sort of paying farmers to not burn stubble, is that a feasible solution? Unfortunately, the reason why farmers are unable to take care of the stubble in an in a environmentally more conscious way is because of the constraints they have on time, on finances and other factors. Paying farmers to take care of stubble is not something that is unprecedented. In fact, already schemes exist in Haryana and other parts. Uh, where basically farmers are incentivized to take care of the stubble in an environmentally conscious way as opposed to burning it. The question really here is that uh, this, does this interstate transfer of funds from one state like Delhi to Punjab, is that the model that we should be looking at? I believe that it's an interstate issue and it is a in particular a northern India issue. We should focus our efforts on this and it should be a central government-driven uh, uh, policy as opposed to a state having to do it. But in general, yes, I do support financial compensation for farmers. 
uh, without which we may not actually see much action on the ground. Another solution that was suggested was a liquid biodecomposer that would dissolve the crop residue into a sort of natural fertilizer. This was expected to get farmers to stop burning stubble. Siddharth says such measures find little acceptance because of how farming is carried out in these states. We'll need to first understand why exactly is stubble burnt. The issue is that these regions, Punjab, Haryana in particular, they used to have a, a single crop every year. And therefore, we didn't really need uh, the burning or the clearing out of, of uh, stubble because this remaining uh, amount of agricultural residue would over time be decomposed on its own. It was a part of the cycle of growth and regeneration of the soil itself, right? When the Green Revolution came about, we, uh, using some high-yielding varieties of, of seeds, we were able to meet India's growing demand for food, for grains and so on, by having two crops every year. And that's where the rice-wheat cropping system was born. The other issue that came about is because the, these regions are not uh, that, that rain-fed compared to southern India and other parts. It basically meant that irrigation and the use of pumps became critical to ensuring that there are two uh, healthy crops in every single year. Due to that, water levels started falling very rapidly. Now, to prevent the falling of water rep levels rapidly, the government came out with new rules stating that farmers should not harvest their crops and you know plant the seeds for the next round uh, in certain times of the year. And therefore, the time difference between crop one and crop two reduced to just a few weeks. In those few days, that's not enough time for the crop residue to actually decompose. It means that burning this residue is the cheapest and quickest way to actually turn around the, the farmland for the next cropping cycle. Now, you want to solve the problem of air pollution, uh, you know, you can space out the two crops and maybe will not have that much of a problem. But then the water levels will fall so rapidly that the entire region could basically become dry and we may again uh, face some form of, uh, you know, agricultural or food-related crisis. What we need to think about is in so-called evergreen revolution. So we've, we've had the green revolution. Now we need to kind of work on ways to diversify the agriculture away from this right, rice wheat cropping system add other types of uh, plants, other types of grains, other types of food items uh, to find newer and uh, more efficient ways to irrigate land so that we are not reliant on groundwater and a few other things. So all of these things will take years. But if the government really wanted, if there was a solid plan in place, you know, the, the original Green Revolution actually came about in just one or two years. It was not like decades long process. There's no reason why we can again do it in, in two or three or four years. Problem is there is no such plan. The central government has not taken this up, up seriously and therefore we are unable to act in the way that we should do. What about the state governments? A lot of the implementation on ground would happen from the state government, which is where the roadblock often lies, right? In no, absolutely. absolutely. It's not to take away the, the blame from one government or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, the idea here is that the reason why I mentioned state, uh, the central government is because it's this is an interstate issue now. There's no reason why Punjab itself will act on the problem because uh, it's not the only state that is seeing the ill effects of uh, of the stubble burning. 
So which is why a central government-led initiative will actually have the kind of impact that, that we need. Ultimately, you're right, it is the state government that will have to implement and that's where uh, you know, the, the victory of on air pollution actually lies. Siddharth's argument is that there is already a certain level of air pollution that's generated by normal human activity that combines with the weather conditions of the winter months. This is worsened by things like stubble burning. And he says we'll have to give farmers some sort of incentive to stop this practice, since attempts to penalize them haven't helped. There's a baseline level of air pollution that remains because of transport and because of industry. Right? So transport and industry is a year-long phenomena. On top of this, stubble burning creates a peak. It doubles the amount of air pollution in that particular time of the year. And that is also the time of the year when the winter sets in, wind speeds drop, due to which air pollution becomes the smog. Since uh, stubble burning is one of the main contributory factors to the smog, one of the things that I think, I, I won't call this a low-hanging fruit, but I think this should be done with all the might of the, the state and the private sector and so on, is to have something called rice bioparks, name it whatever you want, but the whole idea of these bioparks is Farmers need to be compensated for not burning stubble because burning stubble is almost like an imposition on them. They, they, they have been forced to do it because of the rules and regulations of the, uh, of the state as well as factors that are beyond their control. So if they're able to come and deliver uh, stubble as opposed to burn it, they should be compensated on the spot. And uh, we need to make this uh, uh, region-wide national campaign, so to speak, we can do it. We just need, uh, you know, boots on the ground. We need uh, multiple locations where farmers can come and uh, drop off the stubble. This would be one thing that would definitely uh, lower the peak. And, and therefore, the main months of the smog would be a little better. And I think that would be the first and most important thing the government can do. Another factor that really kickstarts the smog in some way is usually the period of Diwali where you have fireworks. We are about a month away from that now and Delhi has already banned fireworks till the 1st of January. Do you see that helping given other states haven't done the same thing? Is there something we can do differently in this regard? Um, look, it's a, it's a complicated issue and it's also one that is very emotive for a lot of people. There's a linkage here between uh, the the you know freedom of so-called religion or expression of people. There's a cultural and traditional angle here. We can make these arguments that fireworks originated in China. They were not really a part of Diwali historically, but that's immaterial because now it has become as much a part of Diwali as as any other traditions. Now the issue is: Are we against fireworks everywhere and anywhere and at all times? The answer to that is no. Like. In other places in the country where air pollution is not such a major issue, it is fine to use you know firecrackers in a controlled and you know of course safe manner. The problem is in a place like Delhi and in fact much of North India, when air pollution levels are already very high, at that point of time there is no justification of making air quality even worse. This is not to say that you know Diwali is the cause for air pollution. I think we can it it needs to be said again and again so that. You know, people are able to understand it's not an attack on their own freedoms of, of expression and, and, you know, religion. That, yes, air pollution is largely caused by industries, by transport, even by stubble burning. While we are struggling to make a difference on all those fronts, we cannot 
let this this other low hanging fruit become co- a contributory factor and worsen their quality for you know a week or two which usually happens post diwali um and you're absolutely right that it is not always very effective but i think it would also be unconscionable to actually let uh, firecrackers uh be used in an un- unabated manner so then something needs to be done even if it's un- ineffective we need to kind of act on it you're saying basically it needs to be wider the canvas of these bans yes you know delhi is not the only place that has an air pollution issue people forget uh, 70% of india's uh, air pollution related deaths actually happen in rural india and uh, northern india in particular is uh, affected in this uh, so called smog season in the winters so ideally the ban should exist beyond delhi from punjab to perhaps uh, even closer to bihar and uh, west bengal these are all the regions which have high air pollution levels and there should be a region wide ban or at least other measures that control the use of it and there can perhaps be other alternative ways to to celebrate diwali there are new technologies drone light shows and there's so many other ways to engage people and celebrate the festival without it necessarily causing air pollution you're not a big fan of the green crackers then i'm guessing you know honestly i have not found the evidence that i need to to actually you know uh, agree that uh, these so called green firecrackers actually work uh, and uh, there is also clearly no regulation and people are unable to understand what's green what's not but surely there's something we can do to limit the amount of air pollution unfortunately siddharth says there are no quick or easy answers so the kind of action that will actually have an impact is a multi year perhaps 3 to 5 year time frame where we can actually see measurable progress now the problem here arun is that uh, it has easily been over 5 years since some of us have been talking about it uh, if we had started then we would not be needing to have this podcast discussion today right so we are having this discussion because even 5 years ago nothing happened the the book that i had written on air pollution was published Uh, almost 4 years ago point is that all of those things all of the proposed measures even back then could have had an impact today we could have had a, a transformative impact on the way transport works on the way um, manufacturing uh, and the use of dirty polluting fuels in heavy industries are used in the way stubble burning happens for many of us we like to think that our air purifiers in our rooms and our cars kind of keep the air clean and we can somehow exist in these bubbles of clean air is that really the case uh so as far as air purifiers go in enclosed spaces it is true that they do reduce your exposure to air pollutants for certain hours of the day nobody is going to be in it in in a room you know all day for weeks at end or months at end we at the end of the day do have to go out we do have to inter- interact with the world and air can be a great equalizer in some senses so be it rich or poor you do get exposed to it but it's also true that um, you know if you are in an enclosed space uh, and and you do have an air, air purifier you are probably a little more insulated than other people uh, and i think this is somewhat of a problem also because if you know if the rich and if if people in the government and if other people who are privileged are able to insulate themselves from the problem it suddenly stopped becoming that bigger problem we have seen this with water pollution the water in our pipelines are not fit to drink the privileged can have ro's and so on and and therefore suddenly 
water, clean water is no longer a public issue. And I think we're headed in, in that general direction. But uh, yes, people who are uh, especially susceptible to air pollution-related illnesses, including asthma and so on, they should use air purifiers to the extent that they can. One suggestion has been to close schools and limit human activity on bad smog days to limit people's exposure and to prevent further addition to the smog. But is that really a viable option? I mean, to me, that sounds extremely unfeasible, especially coming out of this, this pandemic period. Children already missed out on school. And then we are saying to cut down on school days and we are saying cut down on, on, the, on time outside, on the playground and so on. These are things that are, you know, easier said than done. It's not feasible, especially in the longer run. We also have bad air pollution days for weeks at end, you know, say even months at end. But I think if you really want to deal with the problem, then you have to act uh, on the source of the air pollution as opposed to at the consuming end of the air pollution, which is our lungs. At the individual level, is there anything that people can do to kind of watch how much they pollute? I think that uh, there are a few things that people, you know, can do, although I still maintain that a major part of the air pollution problem is a, a societal failure of sorts. So at the, we have to act on a social or societal level. At an individual level, there are a few things that you can, can do. Firstly, you know, we have seen in India, because of the lack of perhaps garbage disposal or uh, a municipal corporation that picks up garbage at a re regular and frequent interval, there are cases of uh, leaves being burnt or or uh, other garbage being burnt in every neighborhood. I think we should take it upon us to ensure that there is no garbage burning in our neighborhood, come what may. Of course, if you can afford it, you should also eventually go for you know solar rooftops or electric vehicles and in fact, avoid personal transport altogether, use metro to the extent possible. These are some small sacrifices we can make, uh, but at the end of the day, we need a more social response to it at a government level. So I'd say there are three final things that individuals can do, which is vote, vote, and vote. So go out there, make it an electoral issue, make sure that your voice is heard, uh, and make sure politicians take you seriously. Hopefully, we'll have some measurable and visible change in the next four years. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe, and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.